In your Bibles, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 12, um, I'm continuing on our series on uh, the importance of, of the body um, and, and how um, uh, our culture is trying to redefine um, the body by separating the body and, and, and our spirit within that, um, and, and we, we can decide um, if, if, if our inner emotions and passions are telling us one thing, we can deny what's happening in our bodies and, uh, and, 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 and the biological truth um, that's out there. But, but according to the gospel and according to the Bible, the body is just as important as, as our inner life and the two in, inform each other that they're two sides of the same coin. They are a unity which God has created. We talked about how the body is, is our anchor to the material world and, and, and our, our inner life, our, our spirit or soul, we may call it, is, is, is our anchor to the spiritual world and uh, both are needed to keep us anchored in reality. And uh, Christ's incarnation, when He became uh, flesh, how, how that... that uh, coming together of the God-man in, informed the early church about how human beings actually exist. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's not a half God, half man. Uh, he, he was a fully integrated human being. Uh, and and so, so we are and when we talk about our body and, and our spirit. And we can't just separate those things. But one of the slogans that, that's put out there often uh, in, in our culture today is this idea of my body, my choice. And it, it applies to several different things. The, the number one um, way in which we hear that slogan is, of course, from, from pro-abortion advocates who, who believe that they have the right to um, end a pregnancy um, by, by destroying another life, honestly, um, by, by destroy, destroying their unborn child, that they have a right to do that. But that, that, but that can apply to all sorts of situations, this idea of my body, my choice. Um, uh, you know, th this is my body and I can decide what I want to do um, regardless of, of what anybody else tells me, regardless of reality, regardless of what the truth is. Um, my, my body is my own and nobody else's. And therefore the decisions I make are the only thing uh, that is important. And then, then it even becomes um, individualistic. I, I can decide for myself what's right and what's wrong. Um, I, I, I don't need anybody else because I have a, a body and I have um, my, my inner life, my heart within. And, um, I, and I'm a completely autonomous person and I don't need anyone else. And so we, we um, get into this um, idea that that's really a, an ancient philosophy um, being brought back to life today. Some of the ancient philosophies um, that, that Christianity ended because of, the, of its message of the, this idea that, that God has a plan and purpose for us and He has made us a certain way. And so um, it, when, when the Bible talks about the body, it talks about how the body is, is, is made by God for some great and wonderful purposes and that sin uh, against the, uh, the body is, is, is destructive. And, and, and it undoes God's plans for us. So let's look at what God's plans are here in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 12. And uh, Paul is writing to, to a church that was um, really confused about what Christianity was. 
and he's trying to help them to understand. It says this, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one with him, or one becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. In the days of the early church, in the culture of the Roman Empire, there were several, actually it came up from the Greeks as well, there were several philosophies that, that people were living by that were really rooted in, in paganism and individualism. And one of those um, philosophies was that of hedonism. And uh, you've probably heard of that term before, but it's the, it's the term that has to do with the only thing that's important in life is pleasure. And, and so um, many people lived by, by this, this idea of, of um, finding pleasure is, is, is the root of purpose in life. Um, finding personal happiness and satisfaction is, is the only way to live even at the expense of other people. Seeking pleasure what was the main idea. And that's where these slogans come from that Paul is addressing here. One slogan is that all things are lawful for me. And the other thing was food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. That's saying that, that the only purpose for my body is, 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 is to enjoy food and meat. The only purpose that my, for my, which my stomach exists is, 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 is to eat. Now that is one of the purposes, of course, of the stomach. It's, it, it's meant to process food, and it's meant to keep the nutrients and expel the waste. And uh, that's, that's why it, it, it's a machine that, that breaks down food for our sustenance. But it's, not, but it's more than, than, than just that. It, that. There is a purpose greater than, than just um, the processing of food that, that, um, um, that, that our stomach has and that, that our bodies have. They also, you're talking about all things are lawful for me. That comes from hedonism, but, but, but they were thinking as well that this comes from um, Paul's own mouth. Paul, Paul was saying that, that the, the Jewish laws um, no longer applied uh, in, in their thinking. 
Now, but, but Paul was really saying is, you are freed from the law of sin and death, but you are not, but, but you're not freed um, to do whatever. You are freed so that you can serve the law of Christ. <laughs> we're, we're freed from the law of sin and death because Christ came and fulfilled that law in Himself and gave us a new law, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But they were saying, okay, Paul says that, that, that we're freed from the, the old Jewish laws and rituals. They, they read that as, or they, they, they thought of that as, okay, all things are lawful for me. I can do whatever. It doesn't matter. Because, because, I, I, because of Christ suffered and died, and because I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, he died for me and I've accepted that, you know, that means that everything's lawful for me. And Paul is saying, no way. It's not exactly, that, that, that's exactly um, what it does not mean. It doesn't mean that you can continue on doing whatever it is you want. And the reason for that is that, that you know, not only has God created us for great and glorious purposes, and, but also that this fact that, that our bodies are meant for the Lord as a place for Him to come and dwell and be with us. The body has become the temple. My body is not just my choice. It's not just mine own. My body is God's temple. We have to treat it as such. When Jesus came into this world... We were talking about this this morning in the Gospel of Luke. Before he, he leaves, he tells the apostles, and this is after his death and resurrection, this is before he ascends back to the heavenly throne, he tells his apostles, he says, wait until you have received power from on high. He told them over and over again the Holy Spirit would come and would fill, the, fill them. And, and that, that the Lord would be with them. He would dwell with them. He would dwell within them, within, within their lives. Our bodies are not only vessels for, for our spirit within, but they are the vessels for God's Holy Spirit, God's own presence to come and dwell with them. Not only did He create us for great and glorious purposes, not only has, has He made us in His image, not only has He created our, our bodies to um, be, be the anchor, so to speak, to reality and, to, and, and, and be able to operate in the material world, He has made us for intimate fellowship with Him. And this is why Paul says, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. In other words, if, if, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, what you're ex accepting and acknowledging is the fact that Jesus suffered and died in order to purchase you back from, from the power of sin and death and, and, and from um, slavery to the devil and, and, and slavery to our own sinful passions. He has purchased us from that so that we, we can become slaves of righteousness. Now, we don't like that term slavery because it has to do uh, or it sounds like we're under some sort of oppression. But a person who is a slave to righteousness 
is a slave to righteousness because of, of the immense love of God that he has for us and, and to, to rescue us from, from the power of, 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 of sin and, and from uh, it, its destruction and death. Those who become slaves to righteousness have, have the love of God within their hearts and lives to, to give them strength, to give them power, to help them deal with, with, with the hard harshness of life, to help them deal with, with, with the darkness of, of the sinful world <clears throat> that's out there. Those who are slaves to righteousness experience the love of God that He has for them and how, how He fills them with, with a brand new life and how He helps them to, to live out um, all the various aspects of what that sacrificial love of God within our lives looks like. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be filled with, with, with what's called the fruit of the Spirit. That comes from Galatians chapter 5. It means to be filled with love and joy and peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That, that, that's an important one. Self-control. But all of those things are, are, are filled in, in our lives when we allow God's Spirit to operate, when we give ourselves to Him. He fills us and helps us to be the kind of person that, that God wants us to be. The Spirit is the agent of transformation. The Spirit is, is the agent, is, 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 is the connection that we have with God the Father and Jesus Christ. The, the Spirit is the one who brings us all the, all the benefits of what Christ did on the cross. Christ provided the means of salvation. The Spirit applies those means to our hearts and lives and transforms us so that we can live for Him. And He has done that in this world, in this life, in the material body. Not something off in the future when, when, our, when, when we die, but something, as, as Paul says, a deposit guarantee in our salvation. The Spirit is meant for us here and now God has saved us so that we can have intimacy with Him, that we can know His purposes for us, and, and, and live out the love of Christ in our lives. And we become slaves of righteousness freely and openly because of what Christ has done for us. Now, of course, being a slave to righteousness means that we must surrender ourselves to Christ and become obedient to Him and allow His Spirit to work in our lives um, because uh, God is not going to work against our will. We must willingly give ourselves completely to Christ. But if we say that we love God and we say that we love Christ and we, and we are thankful for what He's done for us in providing us for salvation, we, we will willingly give ourselves to Him. Willingly give ourselves to Him. Our bodies are not our own, we were bought with a price, and that price was Jesus Christ's own blood. When we accept Him as Savior, we become His. In fact, we are His. We just, we just got to awaken to that. <laughs> and we got to realize it, and we got to accept it, and we have to freely choose it in order to have it, to have that salvation. But it's been provided for us. Christ has provided the means of salvation. And the Holy Spirit makes it a reality within our own lives. In fact, Jesus predicted that this was going to happen um, at the very beginning of his ministry. He tells the woman at the well, there's coming a time when we won't, where we won't um, worship on this mountain, meaning the, the temple mount in Jerusalem, 
or on this mountain, meaning Mount Gerizim in Samaria. But, but true worshipers of God will worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, it, it's not the place of, of worship. God does not dwell in temples made by man, the, the martyr Stephen said. But He dwells within us now. He dwells within the believers. The Apostle Peter says, by quoting the Old Testament, he brings it into the New Testament, that there is a priesthood of all believers because God has filled all those. We're not talking about the, the Christianity light and all of a sudden we have super saints. That's not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is saying that all believers, all those who believe in Jesus Christ, have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within them. That is the promise of God. And God is with each one of us if we'll but seek Him out and surrender to Him in our lives and, 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 and allow Him to work within our hearts and lives, becoming no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to His righteousness. And when we do that, He fills us with all the wonderful goodness and all the blessings that come from those who have given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. This is what Christ died for. This is what He gave Himself up for, was to give us His righteousness in the here and now, in our bodies, through the Holy, with, with the filling, infilling of the Holy Spirit, we become temples of ourselves and God. We, we become, our, in ourselves, temples of God. And so that makes the sin of sexual immorality especially um, heinous to God, especially wrong to God. There is a, a sense where all sin offends God, and yes, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But also, they are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And even though all have sinned, there is a chance for redemption for all of us because of what Christ did on the cross. But all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, 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 and all sin um, separates us from God. But as Paul is saying here, uh, telling the Corinthians, he says that, that a sexual immorality is a sin against the body. And when we engage in sexual immorality, we're sinning against ourselves. We're sinning against our bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, believers who claim to be Christians, and that's who Paul is talking to here. He's not talking to those out there in the world. He's talking to those who have claimed Christ and are part of this church in Corinth. He's saying that that, 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 that if you've given your heart and life to, to Jesus Christ, you can no longer continue on in sexual immorality. All things are not lawful for us. They're, they're saying, I mean, I mean, they're saying all things are lawful for us, but not all things are lawful for us. And even though we may be free from the Old Testament law with all of its regulations and stuff, Paul is saying we're not free from the moral obligations of the law and, and, and if you continue on in sin, especially the sin of sexual immorality, you're sinning against the temple of the Lord God, your body. Engaging in sexual immorality means that, that our passions continue to control us. And Paul says specifically here, all things are lawful for me, but not everything is helpful or beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. 
Now, that, that can apply to all sorts of things, couldn't it? That I will not be dominated by anything. I won't be dominated by sinful habits. I won't be dominated by, by drugs and alcohol. I won't be dominated um, by, um, by constantly lying. But in particular, Paul is addressing the sexual immorality that was happening within the church. And there was a lot of it. One of the things that, that Paul addresses is, um, you know, some of these uh, Gentiles were still going to uh, the pagan temples. And when you go to the pagan temples, um, what's there? Prostitutes. Because, you know, one of the things that, that, that you do when you're worshiping the gods is that you want to entice them to give you good favor and good crops. So what do you do? Well... You engage in intercourse to gain fertility for the land. You, you're fertile yourself. That means the gods will, will offer fertility for your crops. And it, it was a wicked, wicked thing. And, and God says, you know, you, you're destroying yourselves. You have become Christians. You must dedicate yourself to the Lord and, and stay away from, from these pagan temples and their prostitution. One of the problems... Um, was is that uh, the meat markets were often in these temples and, you, and a lot of times the, the meat that you went and bought was sacrificed to idols. And that became a problem. And, and, and Paul says, well, if, if, if your conscience allows you to go to that, that temple and buy the meat and just cook it and eat it, that's fine. He says, but you better be careful about, you know, don't fall in, back into the temple and what the things are going on there. And, and, and don't, um, you know... Um, Force other people to accept what you're, what you're doing. He said, said, what you do, you do by conscience, and, and you do it um, quietly. But, but, he, but, but the warning here has to do with continuing on in sexual immorality. He's saying that, no, not just because we're saying that, that you're free from the law of sin of death, you're not free from your obligations to God and, 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 and to the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is meant to dispel sin and, and, and to make you into His image. And so we, 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 when we talk about sexual immorality, of course, that, that covers a whole lot of things. And, 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 and the original word um, in, in the Greek here is porneia, which, of course, we know is the root word for pornography in English. But it covers all sorts of sexual immorality. And, and what, is, what does the Bible tell us that sexual immorality is? Well, it defines it over and over again. Um, Paul is arguing here that in marriage, we are joined to our spouses, not, not only in, 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 in the sense of our hearts or in a spiritual sense, but through our bodies too. Intercourse is meant for marriage. And, and, and it binds ourselves to, to our spouse. This is why they call it the consummation of a marriage. It, to, to, to solidify that, that, that there's a union between a husband and a wife, intercourse is the way that that happens. It, it's, a very, it's something that does, that's happened in our physical bodies, and it's something that, that is meant to unite us to our wives. So what happens then... When we begin using our intercourse to, to just please ourselves and we have multiple partners. 
we're defiling what God has made. And especially for believers in Jesus Christ, we, we, we are uniting ourselves to many other people, and it's just like we're tearing ourselves apart, so to speak. This person has a part, that person has a part, the other person has a part. We need to submit ourselves to God and allow Him to be in charge of our bodies. And as we were saying last week, don't trust your hearts, don't trust your passion, but trust in the Lord and give your life to Him. Or not only the idea of multiple partners, you know, um, so many young people today are engaging in, in premarital sex, putting the, heart, putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. And what, they end up what ends up happening is they end up choosing passion over commitment. And so when, when the passion dies out as, as couples get older, without the commitment, the sacrificial commitment, what happens? Well, the marriage will break apart. It's not all about just happiness. It's about making a, a, a sacrificial commitment to, to a spouse. And this is God's will in His way. And when we defile ourselves through sexual immorality, we're, we're defiling the very temple of God, which is our bodies. And of course, there are other forms of sexual immorality too. We tend to focus on those other forms. This is why I purposely put um, the more heterosexual sort of sin first. Because sometimes we, we talk about the worst, the abominations, before we talk about what, what, the, what, what real intimacy is supposed to look like. But if you want a full list of what sexual sins are, Leviticus 18 will tell you. And in particular, 1821 talks about men having relationships with other men, having relations with other men. Specifically, God says that that is an abomination and it is wrong. The rest of chapter 18 lists all other forms of sexual sin. But if you, as many Christians want to do, you, you ignore Leviticus 18 verse 22, then you have to ignore the whole rest of that chapter, which addresses things like incest and bestiality and all other forms of wickedness. You can't have one without the other. If you think um, pedophilia is wrong, then you've got to say homosexuality is wrong because they're, they're both there in that passage. And then even in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, Paul addresses two things specifically there in verses 26 through 27. He says, The women traded their natural relations for, for other women, and that the men were doing the same. And he says that that, that is part that he says, this is how far the corruption on earth went. That women traded their natural relations and that men also traded their natural relations. It is corruption. It is a sin against the body. And until we're willing to t speak the truth and understand the truth of that, then, then we're, we're never going to get past what the culture is doing what the culture is trying to destroy. Is there love and redemption for, these, for those who are engaged in sexual relations? There is always 
redemption in Christ. But until we acknowledge that, that these things are wrong, that we need God's forgiveness, only then can we come out of it. And I would argue that, that Jesus says there's only two ways for people to be. E e either married or celibate. And by marriage, I mean between a man and a woman or to be celibate. You can argue that from the Scriptures. But sexual immorality is a sin against the body. And so what does He tell us to do? He tells, he tells the people to flee from sexual immorality. To run away from it. To stay away from it. To turn away from it. Because for the believer, our bodies, our bodies are meant to be temples of the living God. For Him to fill. For, him to, to, for us to have intimacy with, and knowledge of Him. For, for, for Him to, to um, cleanse us of our sins and transform us. To help us to, to live in, in, in true sacrificial love for others around us. And, and, and in our marriages, if, if, if we really and truly want to be committed in our marriage, <clears throat> then we must learn what self-sacrificing love is. And only Christ can teach us what self-sacrificing love is so that we can also sacrifice ourselves for our, for our spouses. <clears throat> if we want to save ourselves, if we want to save marriage, then what we've got to do is give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ to the point of recognizing that we are to flee all sexual immorality. In the Old Testament, Joseph was famous for his integrity. And even though his brothers had sold him into slavery, and even though he was serving as, as, a, as a slave in Egypt, um, Joseph was recognized for his integrity and put in charge over um, the, the captain of the guards named Potiphar, um, was put over his house. But Potiphar's wife sought after Joseph because he was a young, handsome man, and she wanted to take him to bed. And what does Joseph do? He flees from her. In fact, she grabs onto him and pulls, off, pulls his, uh, his robe off, and she uses that to claim that, that Joseph um, assaulted her. But Joseph fled from that. He fled from it. But there is forgiveness and grace in Christ for all those who turn to Him and ask Him for forgiveness. He can forgive you. He can cleanse you. He can change your heart. And then we must proclaim as believers the truth in love. There is no hatred for those who are caught up in these sexual sins. There is only um, redemption in Christ. There is judgment for sin that is promised from God. But our job is to proclaim the good news of salvation and redemption for those who are caught up in those sins. And we must continue to, to live by God's truth. So I hope today that you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ and that you're, you're fleeing from the sexual immorality that's out there in the world and not being enticed by it. We, we, we have to be careful to get rid of those temptations in our lives. Pornography has, has become um, a terrible drug-like thing. It's become so popular. And uh, you, you can get it for free on the Internet. You don't have to go to the store anymore to buy a magazine. 
it, it, it's out there wherever you, wherever you look online. That, those, that kind of viewing will, will drag you away, and before you know it, um, you're caught up in a sexual sin. We have to be so careful. We must flee those things as believers in Jesus Christ. And I hope that you're trusting in Him today, giving your lives fully to Him. You can do that right now as we stand and pray. You can ask Him, Lord, search my heart. If I'm caught up in, in my, my passions, if I'm caught up in actual sexual sin, am, 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 I, am I being tempted? Am I being dragged away? Lord, help me, forgive me, cleanse me, and then help me to proclaim your salvation to others. Freedom for the captives, the Bible tells us. Let's pray.